Please gather for the latest announcements. Hi, I'm the innovator. Hi, I'm the ecologist. I'm the activist. Hi, I'm the grassroots politician. And welcome to Organise Fun, the board game podcast, where this week we've got what I am tentatively calling a promo sode, because we have been playing uh, Stop, Drop and Roll's latest game, Earth Rising. So, we have Ree and Laurie from Stop, Drop and Roll Games. Hello, welcome to the podcast. Yeah, so to start off, can you like tell us a little bit about Stop, Drop and Roll and how long you've been going and your, you know, your sort of, your story, if you like. Okay. I'm Laurie Blake. I'm the CEO and lead designer of Stop, Drop and Roll. And we've been going since, uh, I guess, mid-2019, um, when we effectively got together and uh, just sort of, we were all looking for something to actually make something of, you know, get get beyond just work and such and make an actual start of something that we could really throw ourselves into. Um, and we all had a massive love of board games and I had been designing board games and a friend of mine at the time had also been doing so. And so we clubbed together with Rob Ingle. Um, our incredible illustrator and artist and constructed this company um, just in time for the world to shut down. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, so pretty much your entire um, like career as Stop, Drop and Roll has been COVID times, pretty much. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We, we launched our first Kickstarter a few months after the UK completely shut itself down. So we had to learn in the space of a couple of months how to completely do things differently to how everyone said we should do things. Yeah, I was going to say, have you had to like change has have your plans had to change a lot because of what's happened so yes and no in a weird way we were actually sort of lucky because a lot of the a lot of the big companies at the time all of a sudden the ways in which they were really able to push themselves suddenly shut down um and that meant that a lot of the smaller players who were majoritively internet focused were able to get a lot more spotlight than they formerly had Mm. um so realistically speaking we were actually pretty lucky um um, thanks to Ree's incredible ability at talking to people and social media and generally being able to make a big fuss, um, <laughs> she managed to get a lot of people really, really excited about our first game, Pugs and Mugs. Well, I think that the reason Pugs and Mugs did so well as well is that because of the time we started that, everyone was looking to do things with friends online. Everyone wanted to stay connected and the only way was digitally. So having a fully functioning digital board game was just perfect. Yeah. Excellent. Yeah. And um, so you mentioned that all three of you were sort of you know already into board games what what got you into board games can you was there a defining like board game moment in your youth that uh, got you into it my I, I grew up on them my father Jasper Blake is is part of the company as well and uh, he he basically raised me on games of various types but including board games so I I remember as far back as the original uh, uh, the original hero quest oh. and, um, <laughs> you know stuff like uh, escape from Atlanta and all sorts of 80s games like that. That was a, it was, yeah, I grew up on all those. Oh, because you have curse of the idol don't you and um what was it dinosaur valley valley of the dinosaurs yes. yeah yes. you've got some proper classics i really do they're <laughs> brilliant uh, i won't lie some of them we have amended with some modern rule changes and it oh. makes them even better but, but generally speaking they are they are classics indeed yeah excellent stuff uh Ree, so, what got you into them so my introduction to board games was a lot later in life um it was actually when i met laurie funnily enough <laughs> uh, the first time i met laurie's friends we ran around one of their houses and they were like oh why don't we play some board games so I was like oh god I'm really I'm not into Monopoly you know I'm bad at chess I don't really know what else exists and Laurie's friend Mike 
took me into his board game room. Like, it was an actual room. I didn't know that many board games existed. <laughs> and I walked in and I looked at this wall of titles, and I was like, oh my god, this is a whole realm I didn't know existed. No joke, if you imagine, um, if you imagine effectively the size of, if you stack three Kallaxes on top of each other, wow. but then also put another three next to them, that's about the scale. Whoa. And it also proper... some, some high ceilings. Yeah, yeah. Um, and we, we played King of Tokyo, which was the first proper board game I'd ever played, and I totally trashed a lot of them. And from that <laughs> point on, I love board games. <laughs> and so, trashes us still. I was going to say, yeah, have you found that you have always been, you know, um, having the luck of the dice cards on your side? I actually have. I got banned from playing Snakes and Ladders for a while <laughs> because I won every time. And my friends didn't like that, so they didn't want to play with me. Are they constantly trying to work out how, how you must have cheated? <laughs> they kept swapping the die around. They kept being like, no, you know, you've got to close your eyes when you roll it. All sorts. <laughs> it's lonely at the top, isn't it? <laughs> Brilliant. The following information will change your life. Okay, so this week, obviously, we've been playing your your upcoming project, uh, Earth Rising. So, can you just sum it up for for the listeners? Uh, what kind of game it is? What you have to do? What's the pitch? Sure, Earth Rising is a family strategy cooperative game for one to six players. Uh, it is about transforming our world and our society in twenty turns. You're looking to change the unsustainable practices that are causing us to be in a world of climate change and poverty, looking to use the powers that you have together to transform society so that we no longer are relying on unsustainable practices and are moving towards a brighter, better future, both for the climate and for people. And what, like, what was your inspiration for for choosing for choosing this theme? Like, why did you go for this? Because it's an important message. Yeah. Like, um, yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, to be honest with you, I back in, I actually came up with this game uh, shortly after we started the company in 2019, and it, I, I was feeling pretty down about the climate as a whole. Um, we have a proper, um, we have a proper uh, like blog post that goes into all of this origin story of the game. But I'll kind of summarise it a little bit here, which is that effectively, I at the time it was all it was all um, extinction rebellion, shouting a lot basically about how we are all going to die uh, unless we do something right this second. Uh, there is no, not going to be any hope. There's nothing we can do about it, and it's all awful. Um, and that generally, as a message, when there's no solutions presented to you, is pretty uh, it, it's pretty difficult to find yourself able to engage in it. Um, yeah. Because you, you don't know how you, as one person, could ever match up to that. It's an impossible task. It's just too big for anyone. So it, I, I then was introduced to the film 2040. Um, and the film 2040 is basically about uh, uh, Damon Gamow, I think it is, who basically is, says, I have a daughter who's four years old. I'm really worried about the climate change. Is there anything we can do? Is it already too late? What, what can we do? And the answer is basically, yeah, we can totally do it. We can totally change everything. Uh, we already have all the tools we need. We already have all the, we're not looking for like a scientific solution to fix this problem. Everything we need is there. We just have to implement it. Um, and this was a completely change of mindset from I, I, the, the ways they presented it, the ways that they uh, showed us how it worked and how we could fix it were revolutionary to my mind. And it made me realize how to portray it in a game. And so I made that in about four hours after the film. It was literally 
within four hours, he disappeared and came back and was like, I have to show you this. Um, and we'll, we'll send you a picture of the original sketch that he drew on that day. If you want. And it's, it's fairly similar to what we've got now. Nice. <laughs> That's brilliant. And I mean, obviously, you, while we were playing, I don't know if you want to just reiterate, but you spoke about donating uh, some of the profits to charities that can help um, sort all this sort of stuff out. Do you feel that the, the board game industry particularly can do more to boost sustainability and eco-friendly practices and stuff? I mean, I think anybody can do more to promote it because ultimately we're all a part of it, no matter what we are doing. Um, we are in a unique position because modern day life means that we're connected to everybody all the time and if anybody is able to make their life that little bit more sustainable that means that everyone else can too to some degree and when it comes to board games as well especially although the board gaming industry is not is not one of the big players when it comes to unsustainability we aren't a massive problem right because if you buy a board game chances are it's not going to end up in landfill no. you'll either sell it on or you'll have it forever but the practices the, the, the materials that they're made out of you know it is still single use plastics yeah, and definitely. We're still putting money into unsustainable practices. So if we shift away from that, and if we shift to pioneer materials and using uh, sustainable materials and things like that, we're not giving our money to the companies that are also being funded by oil companies, coal companies, you know, all of the big bad, basically. So although we only have a small impact on the world, we could actually have a much bigger positive impact if we shifted, and it wouldn't negatively impact our gameplay. So why not? There's a few myths surrounding why board games aren't more sustainable. Um, one is that it's really expensive to manufacture sustainably, and the answer is that it isn't. Uh, yeah. It will up the price by a few pence, uh, but a few pence is really not like that much. That's per game. So like yeah, it, that that kind of in exchange for not having plastics that are uh, you know going to be in our landfills for the next three hundred years, that's incredibly worth it. Yeah, Another absolutely. Is some companies just outright can't do it, um, and the answer there is that there are actually a bunch of companies, and they're getting better all the time that can provide sustainable uh, uh, resources. But on top of that, every time someone asks for sustainable options, that those companies go, oh, people want that, so we should provide that. So if someone is looking to manufacture a game and they ask for it, then the company more and more will be inclined to accommodate those wishes because they want their business. So if effectively, by asking for it, we can change our industry. Yeah, absolutely. I think the more they hear that that it's in demand, the more likely they are to, to make changes. Um, yeah, in the way that they produce stuff. Rising actually is 100% uh, sustainably produced, even down to the inks that will be used, to the um, you know to the plastic wrapping that goes around the box. All of it is 100% sustainable, um, and that is from a a main manufacturer. They're able to provide all those things. And so I I bet that is something that only a extremely small amount of games can claim. I imagine. I actually don't think any have claimed it yet. Um, a lot of I, I I researched desperately trying to find out if anyone had ever done 100% sustainable. Lots of only only wood. It's only games that are just purely wood have been 100% sustainable. But we use we use card. We use um, uh, we do use wood um, and yeah, various. Um, so it's yeah, as I say, even the inks and the dyes and the uh, plastics that go around the box and such. I don't think any game has done that before. No. Um, 
I invite someone to prove me wrong. I want to see. That's a good thing. <laughs> yeah. And so when you were approaching manufacturers to get this into production and asking for 100% sustainability, were they like happy to help you out with that? Did you have a, much of a fight on your hands? We were only able to find one manufacturer that could do 100%. Right. Um, and that is, that's Hero Time Manufacturing. Woo-hoo. And um, <laughs> yeah, and, and um, Herschel, the guy that runs it, was was really excited to, to you know provide that to us. And he, he absolutely bent over backwards to find ways to make it more economical for us and it's yeah ultimately it's about manufacturers being willing to provide it and to be honest the two biggest Longpack and Panda have both just released a large amount of eco-friendly options simply because enough people are asking for those options so it's getting better already yeah absolutely well it's like um, during the game with the protest tokens you know it's the the power of the people isn't it it is absolutely new rules are effective immediately Okay, so that is obviously the the ethos and the sort of uh, background surrounding it. But let's move on to talk about the game itself. I mean, usually in our regular episodes, I do a very dodgy, brief run through of how the game works. So I <laughs> shall attempt to do that now. <laughs> okay. So we've got the the board, the planet, which is divided up into six sort of sectors of what I guess different sort of socioeconomic areas. Areas, I suppose. So we've got infrastructure areas of human activity. There you go. Areas of human activity. So infrastructure, culture, politics, energy, industry, and agriculture. And each sector comes with its own um, practices that can either be sustainable or unsustainable. Uh, and the idea is to basically get as many sustainable practices as you can to reduce the strain on your sector and to get as many people out of poverty, all in a span of twenty years. So twenty turns um and and that's it isn't it in a nutshell basically pretty much yeah yes <laughs> we only have 20 years right. to fix this mess i am going to use my last action to remove four strength um, energy's really got to catch up with the rest of the world at this point you know it's almost the opposite to real life energy's actually catching up now but the rest of the world is not doing great oh excessive living costs uh and then i might implement civics civics education i reckon that sounds like you made it sound like a threat <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I guess I did, didn't I? Time to implement the civics. You will learn about your political system. <laughs> or so help me. And that will be flipped to solar power. Hooray! Cooperative social enterprise. Do we want urban forests or internet accessibility? If you cause an ecological collapse after you've already put your third rising temperature token on the board, the game ends. Okay. This is because if you reach four degrees of temperature rising in the real world, That's it, it literally causes life to become completely impossible to sustain. So it literally does become too hot for even plant life. The world is genuinely dead. Mark, what was your favourite okay. part of the game? Favourite part? Okay, favorite well, part. okay, so just to just to say, Phil never tells me much before we go into playing games. No. <laughs> so I was going in not really knowing anything about this. All I told him was the name. <laughs> <laughs> so, wow, okay. uh, so 
But actually, do you know what? By the time we got around in the first round, I because for me, I don't play as many board games as as you do, Phil. <laughs> you no, usually bring me in. That's true. Uh, so I, a lot of the time, I'm, it takes me a bit of a while to get to get into game into the game and to just to get to the get through the routine of playing. But actually, after the first round of this, I completely understood what was going on, and <laughs> which is I, which is which rare. is quite <laughs> rare, is what I'm trying to say. So this was great. Um, I and. I like the way you sort of, you've got this aim to get towards, you've got these other elements along the way that you need to have in place, you've got the time element as well, uh, 20 years to get, to get, mm. to get this complete. Um, so yeah, I really, yeah, I really enjoy playing this. Um, I'm just trying to think a favourite part. Well, I, I, it's the, the, the strain element where once you, which you do every round where, um, that, which could either go either way, you're trying to get rid of the strain off of the, the board, uh, from these, uh, different industries so it could go either way so I like the sort of you know it looked at the quite early on that we were getting there and then something can can happen and you mm. you go back quite a lot and then you can you know we, we almost got there as well so yeah yeah, um, yeah. yeah no, that's my I like the way that obviously so even having an unsustainable industry sort of fills a space but that puts more strain you know it's like a balancing act isn't it yes I can I can get this token in but it's going to put more strain in the long run but can I flip it and sort it you know and it's yeah so it's making those decisions yeah, it's getting the balance right yeah this part of it and what decisions you make and it's a cooperative game as well so yes um in terms of favorites I think I've got I've got two bits okay. I want to say um like from an educational sort of um sort of angle you know all these little services that for each sector so there's stuff like um, standards and certification being sustainable. I'm just going over to agriculture, habitat regeneration, um, excessive living costs. That's an unsustainable one. There's a very sad looking lady there on that picture. But, you know, like some of these things, I admit, you know, are not constantly in my mind as being sustainable or unsustainable practices sort of thing. So from an educate, you know, you learn a lot by playing this. When we go to Kickstarter, we're also going to have an educator's pack, which you might find interesting. Because we're making up a bunch of lesson plans to go alongside the game, as long as, uh, as well as a informational booklet. That is cool. So the booklet will have an entry for each uh, token slash card which will go into why one side is unsustainable and why the other side is sustainable and how they directly, uh, how one directly solves the other or provides what the other one does but in a sustainable form. Yeah, yeah, that's a brilliant idea. We very much want this game to not just be, you know, a means of learning about what is, you know, the challenges that are before us and how we can overcome them but also a means of making those things or allowing it to be someone's first step towards helping yeah, yeah so if you've bought a copy of earth rising you know that you have done something towards that and so mm. my hope is that you'll be able to sort of make that jump of making change in your own life that much easier but also i just want to praise the look of it i think it looks beautiful oh, yeah it looks great if the real yeah. so obviously we're playing this on on screen top but if the real version looks like this it's gonna be a pretty piece of kit to have and yeah. i think that's you know you can't be shy about these things but it looks boss <laughs> <So>. <laughs>
Thank you. There you go. Um, so do you two have, I know you must have play tested and done whatever tons and tons of times, but do you guys have favourite parts of it? I mean, personally, my favourite part is that obviously when you first start, things are all looking pretty dire. You know, there's a lot of dull colours around the board. There's all of the black strain tokens, all of the practices are unsustainable. So you've got that little black bar and it's just not looking great. Right? And I love that as you progress and work as a team and change that, it just gets more and more bright and more and more colourful and more and more hopeful. I love the link between the visuals and how it makes you feel. That's always been my favourite part of the game. Even when it was truly horrific patterned things that Laurie made on, was it Word or? Oh no, it's Fireworks from Fireworks. 2008. <laughs> yeah, even then, even then that's my favourite part. And now that Rob's done these brilliant illustrations as well, I just, yeah, that's that's my favourite part personally. Uh, and also the characters, I just think that their abilities match them really well. Um, and you, you always get a different gameplay, even, even if you're playing characters you've played before. I've never played a game and gone, oh, this reminds me of the other time I've played it. It's always like a new experience. Um, what about you? Well, I mean, what's left? <laughs> um, yeah, I, I'm personally my favourite element to it is the fact that even in the position when you lose, let's say you don't quite make it, you get to 2041 and you haven't quite been able to get all the segments in, um, you know, ultimately you have quote unquote lost the game. Um, it will still look, you, you know, the effect that you have had on your society just by trying is incredibly markedly better. Your society will always be better there will be less people in poverty there will be better um, social practices in play you will have less effect on your uh, climate surrounding it as a whole even if you haven't got them all in even if you haven't won you have still made the world better because that's the effect we have by trying every time we look at something and we go we're going to achieve this even if we don't quite make it it was still worth it yeah it's like um don't they say that it's better for everyone to recycle some stuff and not be perfect than if only a few people recycled absolutely everything that they possibly could. Um, I don't think it's got really good replay on this. Oh, definitely. Yeah, it will be different every time. And yeah, I can just see myself because some game, some games we've done, and I'm like, well, we've played that, we've, we've yeah, seen all the that's, elements that's of it, it and that's it. But for this, I can see myself playing this again and again. But because not only back to it, does each character have and a you different can try, try power, the different characters as well. But also, yeah. like, I really loved and obviously i know you guys are the experts but their each turn had that dialogue didn't it of like mm. oh well you know we're a team so why don't you give that card to this player and we can hopefully work together to clear the strain off that and do, you know yeah. there was a real it generated a real conversation which is what you want for like a dare i say like an issue based game like this you want people talking about it you want people to be discussing how they can do the best they can i suppose because this is a co-op game, yeah. I am going to make a suggestion. Do it. But rather than giving Laurie the politics card, yeah. give Laurie the energy card because he already has one energy card. Because he already has an orange. Right. Yes. Yeah. I would suggest that you probably don't need to keep all three of those culture cards because culture's doing quite good. Which, yeah. which just so, so happens so to be Ree's sector. <laughs> just, <you know. laughs> brag, brag, brag. Uh, so <laughs> culture humble brag. Uh, okay, <laughs> I'll just get rid of one of those then. What I'm thinking is that if you do use both of them on your turn to immediately get rid of that, not only does Ree already have a culture card, but uh, you could then give the industry card to Phil who would be able to use it on their next turn. I have a, a controversial idea for you here. Yeah. Because you're not able to use your industry card. But let's say, hypothetically, you spent two of your actions getting rid of all eight strain in your sector. You would mm. then be able to use a free action to flip in this bit 
then your final action to put this into play. Yeah, oh, it could only have come from the creator himself. <laughs> <laughs> I've got one, two, three sustainable on my zone. So that means I can um, put four meeples from the middle onto my little startup tokens, is that right? Oh, the climatologist's special ability is wicked. She uh, moves strain around. Ah. So she can, at any point as well, it's not an action, at any point she can move. During other people's turns? Yeah, she can move strain to people who are taking strain away, like me, for example. I've now got, I'm minus four every round. Excellent. Which means she could potentially move up to four strain onto me and it would just get wiped off. The activist is my favourite character, <laughs> um, because I, I do have the luck of the, the dice gods on my side. <laughs> I'm quite good at sort of guessing what cards are going to come up next. As an action, you may place a regeneration token on any sustainable practice, reducing the strain. One thing I do love as well is that obviously we've had this play tested hundreds of times now, and in I think one of our final play tests, the play testers brought out a strategy we've never seen before. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> even considered and they did really well with it and it was just like wow even we haven't considered that you could do that and that's amazing what you were saying phil i i, I that's one of the things that i think is is another thing that's my favorite thing which is basically the the very act of of playing it the very act of doing it gives you that sense of empowerment yeah which is you know that was almost the whole goal you know that was that was my ultimate level top tier goal of what i would want this game to achieve which is a feeling that you can do this um and i'm just really happy to hear you say that <laughs> yeah it's i mean it's it's just really good it is like <laughs> listeners it is a it is a great game <laughs> engagement levels are being honest I guess that brings us to sort of final plug time. Do you guys just want to tell us um, like when the Kickstarter is launching, where we can find you on the socials and stuff like that? Yeah, the Kickstarter, you know, you're actually really lucky because it was literally yesterday we decided on a proper date. Nice. Um, and this may still change by a few days. So, you know, just putting that out there. But currently we are looking at relaunching on the 24th of August. Excellent. Um, and wrapping it up on the 25th of September. As far as social media goes you can pretty much find us everywhere at sdr games sometimes it's sdr games studio but it's roughly the same everywhere <laughs> and um obviously because it's going to be a kickstarter do you have any sneaky stretch goals in mind truth be told uh it's one of those one of those funny things isn't it because we are we're doing an ecological game that is about lowering waste yeah about <laughs> things better ultimately you have to you have to find that balance of you know you're trying to sell something but at the same time you don't want to add unnecessary things so we have a few things that we think will make the game just that bit better, uh, you know, that bit nicer, that bit swisher. Yeah, but but otherwise, which we've done our best to not add anything that we feel will make people go, that's not really necessary, is it? You could do so, some uh, ecological ones, you know, like if you donate this amount, we'll plant a tree. Actually, what we're going to do for offsetting shipping, um, because obviously transporting these games across the world is one of the biggest problems, right? We yeah. can say it's offset sustainably produced, but shipping, although we are looking into alternative methods such as train which is much more sustainable if we cannot do that or feel that we need to um, basically pay it back to the planet in any way we can we are hoping to go through tree sisters and plant trees as a means of offsetting um, car produced by shipping 
far as stretch goals go, my the one I'm most excited for and the one I really, really hope we hit is glass strain tokens. Wow. That would yeah. Oh my yeah. God, yeah. That would just be some extra pretty, wouldn't it? <laughs> it really would. Yeah. It like you know, it's 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 just yeah, I'm really excited for that one. Very pretty indeed. And um not as Re was saying about the offsetting of the shipping and things, of course, as you were saying about donations, uh 50% of all of Earth Rising's profits will be split amongst a collection of charities who have helped us make this as absolutely accurate as possible. All of those charities are people who are, they're the ones with the boots on the ground making this happen in real life. So people making sure that Earth Rising does great also make sure that those charities that are fighting to make this a reality uh, also get donations straight to them. Uh, Kickstarter has rules against actually collecting direct donations, uh, but this is a way in which we're able to make sure that people can effectively uh, help those things happen in real life just through a game. I think that's brilliant. And it's like you were saying, you know, just by playing this, you are doing a good deed to the world. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. And education is so important. So the fact that we've, you know, as you guys say, it's a fun game. First and foremost, it is a fun game to play. It is a great cooperative experience. But secondly, it is educational. You will not ever play it and come away not knowing something new. Even I am still learning things every time I play. Yeah, and I think that's one of the sort of, okay, so I work in a school. Thinking from my school kid hat, you know, as soon as you say the words educational game, there's an element of, oh, oh no. But I think <laughs> I think you had it right. First and foremost, it is a fun game that is challenging, that is entertaining to play, and you just happen to be learning something useful along the way, sort of thing. Yeah, it was really important to us when we were designing this that it wasn't something that shoved anything down your throat. It wasn't anything that would take away from your enjoyment. All of the ways in which our society that we're playing as and affecting affects our climate and affects our people they're all cause and effect things they're not you don't have to make any moral decisions you have a goal and how you reach that goal is up to you but ultimately it's your actions that affect the outcome not your choices in terms of morality or anything else like that so there's no there's no beating you over the head with this is what's correct yeah. there's no um, forcing you down a path that you feel probably isn't necessary ultimately you're the one in the driver's seat you're the ones making the decisions and you make it as a team and that's how it should be yeah that's brilliant well thank you guys for a coming on and talking about your game but also b for for letting us have a play um it's been a really good afternoon and i really enjoyed it so thank you you're welcome it was really good to play with you guys too right well i've been phil i've been mark i've been laurie i've been Ray. and remember non-relinquum in arca aperculo you can find us on facebook at organized fun pod you can find us on twitter at uh fun organized and yeah that's it Bye, Ludophiles. Bye. Bye. Oh, my God. Why is life so hard? This, this concludes, concludes the information. Dispersed and return to work. work.